hope that um, what's happening is that you're catching uh, the tone of the morning, which by the way, if you're looking for a more comfortable service to come to, third service has some chairs to sit in. <laughs> I know it's a little later and it eats into your lunch time. Um, I hope that you're catching the um, spirit of the service uh, this morning. Um, We are in a series called Bold Prayers where we started last week kind of wanting to kick off this year asking the Lord, um, asking Him to do things that to us probably seem impossible. Um, One of the things that I'm reminded of that I just want to remind you of too is that God's not a vending machine, right? So um, just because you pray a bold prayer doesn't mean that God's necessarily going to go answer it that way. And so we can't use him. We can't, you can't manipulate God into doing what you want him to do. He's not a vending machine. And so I just want to encourage you that today. Uh, it says in John 10, 10, it says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy So what we need to know is that every single day, every single moment that the enemy is after you to do everything he possibly can to get you to do things that God would have you not to do constantly. He's on the prowl. He's on the chase. He's trying to do everything he can to take you down, to steal, to kill, and destroy Okay, and so I think you have to understand that, that each day that you get up and you go to do whatever you do, you need to always be looking at your back because he's after you. And so that's why the Lord gave us in Ephesians chapter six that we're supposed to put on the full armor of God because guess who's got your back? The only thing that's not covered in the armor of God is your back because God's got your back. And so just recognizing that and remembering that, Jesus also said, he said that he came so that we might have life and have it more abundantly. But this morning we're talking about bold prayer. So we started last week talking about um, the prayer of Jabez. And this morning we'll be in Isaiah chapter 38. And if you have your Bibles, you want to turn there. This is the story of Hezekiah. This story is actually found in 2 Kings chapter 18. And it's also found in uh, 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 32, 31, 32. And so, but we'll be in Isaiah chapter 38 uh, this morning. And, And the topic for this morning is healing. It's healing. Now, uh, if you grew up in a charismatic, if you know what that is, if you grew up in a charismatic context within the church, um, I guess I would be curious as to why you're here. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. If you grew up in a charismatic context within the church, and those of you who grew up, you, full, you understand that. Maybe if you've studied the different types of churches, um, you may understand uh, the charismatic, but the charismatic movement. But if you grew up in that context, then healing is not that big of a deal to you. Right? It's, it's something that you're like, what do you mean? We, you went to church and probably talked about healing and talked about praying for healing every single Sunday. 
just about. But if you're like me and you grew up in a more traditional or more conservative context, to be honest with you, I'm uh, 51 years old. I know I look 29, but I'm... 51 years old, and to be honest with you, I have actually never heard a teaching growing up in the context of which I was in. I was never taught about the whole idea of healing, okay? And, and, but I knew that God could heal, right? My, my parents taught me in the Bible, you know, about the things that Jesus did, and, and the church taught me about the things that the disciples did and how they, how they healed people, right? Peter was, Peter was walking by, and a man there was uh, blind and deaf, and, and, and Peter, and he goes, hey, 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 Peter, will you heal me? And he says, hey, I, or he asked for some money, and Peter said, I don't have any money, but what I have to you here it is that get up and walk and and I'm like yeah that's awesome right those those stories are awesome but to be honest with you I've never in my experience as a American growing up even in the church I'm like to be honest with you I've never actually seen that happen to be really honest with you. And I don't, I don't know if you have. Maybe you came out of a context where you're like, whoo, man, I saw that happen five times. And so for you, the whole idea of healing is like, man, it should be happening more often, right? Also, what I know is that healing still happened because God is still the same God yesterday, today that he was yesterday, so the things that we read in the Bible, it's not like all of a sudden we thank God just decides that he's going to change and he's not going to do those same, th- those same types of things because what I know to be true is that God still does those. Most of the times we just don't hear them, right? And it's really interesting because in other parts of the world, healings and those types of things are actually happening more frequently for whatever reason than they are in America, Okay, now I wonder if that's because much like my context, I grew up not in a context, not really hearing about this whole idea of healing. And to be honest with you, when people brought it up to me, I got a little weirded out by it. Right? How many people are there? It's okay to be honest in church. Don't come in here and lie. Don't go out there and lie. Have you ever, I ever heard that saying, you know, I wouldn't lie, I'm in church, so you would lie out there? Online church, and and so over the course of the last few years, God has begun to change the way I feel and think about the whole idea of healing because I've been challenged in that because I know who God is and I know who He was, I know what He's done in Scripture, and I, over the course of my experiences over the course of the last couple of years, God has brought me to a new place in what I believe to be true about God's healing. And maybe that's the idea is that maybe just because your experience doesn't lead you to believe that doesn't mean that God still can't do it because the reality of it is here, here, listen, listen, the reality of it is how many times have you prayed and God hasn't done anything in your opinion? You're like, well, I prayed about that. God did do it. A couple of years ago, 2020, um, right in the middle of COVID, all of a sudden, God starts to decide to allow Pastor Chris' heart rate to go down to like 27. I'm like, hey, man, something doesn't feel right. I probably should go out and go for a run. 
So I go out and I go for a three mile run and I come back and, and I'm sitting on the couch and all of a sudden things aren't just feeling right. And I'm not, you call the, Ashley's like, you probably, probably should call the doctor. I call the doctor, I go in, they're like, hey, is it normal for your heart rate to be at 30? I'm like, I don't know. I don't like go around checking my pulse. And they're like, well, your heart rate's 30. The nurse walks out, the doctor comes in, he says, hey, buddy, we're going to send you right over to the heart doctor um, because you're probably going to need a pacemaker. And all of a sudden, my world just changed. And God began to use that to get my attention. You know what I did? So I called about 20, 25 people that I really trusted who are people of faith. I called them here to the church. They surrounded me. They prayed over me. I walked out of this room believing that God was going to have to heal me, that I wasn't going to have to have a pacemaker. And guess what? I have a pacemaker. And to be honest with you, I really kind of struggled with that. Lord, I had faith, I trusted, I believed that you wanted to do that, and he didn't do that because God has so much more for me. And so your experience may be, your idea or your belief may be based off somewhat of your experience. So our one thought for this whole series has been this, bold prayers honor God. Bold prayers honor God. And if we're being honest, some of you, your only experience to this whole idea of healing comes from TV, right? How many times have you turned on the TV and on a Sunday morning, you for whatever, see, you shouldn't stay home from church on a Sunday morning and watch a TV preacher. I'm just kidding, okay. But I can remember watching those and I can remember that when I was young, this one guy walking around, swinging his jacket, hitting people, they're all falling down. I'm thinking, this is weird. What is, this is really weird. I'm not too sure about this. And so all of a sudden, I kind of, kind of through those experiences, I kind of curled up into my little box and said, that's not the, I don't think that's the way God works. It doesn't mean that people didn't get healed in that context. Okay? I don't know. Only God knows. Because sometimes God can take what is evil and do good with it. Okay? Just saying. And then there was this experience I had a few years ago as I was planting the church. We were about two, three years in. We were in the Waterford location just over there. And I had gone to Port City, Java to get me a cup of coffee. I was meet, meeting with another pastor. We were sitting outside and this guy comes walking up and he, said, he, he says, hey, my name's Charlie. How are you guys doing? We're like, good. And we're like, we're sitting there talking for a little bit. And then we kind of get in this conversation with him and we said, hey, man, what do you do? And he said, well, I'm a movie producer. I'm like, Wow a movie producer in Leland. He's like, yeah. He's like, uh, moves from LA to East LA, East Leland area, right? Bought me a house, you know, bought me a house, a one point, literally a 1.5 or $6 million. Like, where's a 1.5, $6 million house in Leland? And he's, he said, live right over there. And for the next 45 minutes, he proceeded to give me his, his, um, accolades, like just one after another. And so I started Googling him. I'm like, this dude's legit. He's like, he's for real. And proceeded to go on for 45 minutes. And then finally, after 45 minutes of not hardly, him not breathing and us just sitting there like listening, he says, so what do you guys do? <laughs> That's funny. I'm like, well, we're pastors. He's like, and you just saw his face like change. 
yeah, we're pastor, you know, we're pastors. I, I pastor this church right down, you know, right there in the shopping center. And the other guy said, yeah, pastor over in the... And so then for the next 45 minutes, he proceeded to tell me about his experience with church. He said that when he was a young boy, his parents, his mom was in a wheelchair. And they decided this one time they were going to give church a try, that there was this tent revival that was happening there in their community. And so they decided they were going to take their mom and they were going to take her to this tent revival because this guy was claiming that he could heal people. They took her there. They, they identified her at the door and said, hey, is it, are you here because you want to be prayed over? They said, yes. They wheeled her up to the front. And at that point, they had different people that would come across and this guy would supposedly heal them. And so they brought, their, they brought his mom up and they rolled her across and the guy prayed over her and he says, hey, can you see now? She wasn't blind. And they rolled her off the stage and claimed all this healing. And from that point, he said, as a young boy, I said, F the church and F God. And so all of a sudden, his exposure and his experience in that situation was very different. And from that point on, he wanted nothing to do with church. And proceeded to say that for 45 minutes without even giving us an, an opportunity and I think he gave us about 10 minutes at the end to just say, hey, man, that's not church. But wanted really absolutely nothing to do with it. And to be honest with you, from that point on, I never saw the man ever again. So if he moved to, if he moved to Leland, he probably moved back to L.A. Who knows? Or he just didn't decide not to come around Port City Java because I kept hanging out Port City Java. <laughs> but what we believe about God, it matters because the reality of it is, is that in our context outside of the church, most people believe that God is unloving. Because they say, why does God allow this? And why does God do this? And why does he do that? And they struggle to wrap their minds around God being a loving God that allows things to happen because he loves us. Because here's a couple of things that I want you to understand today. The first one is this, that God works in ways that brings him the most glory. He doesn't work in a way that is benefit, most beneficial to us. He works in the way that brings him the most glory, period. The second thing is, is that healing isn't always instant. Where in this situation that we're going to read, it actually happens. Do, healing, do healings happen instantly? Absolutely. Do healings also, is a prayer for healing can be the beginning process of healing? Absolutely. Because if we read the scriptures, we know that Jesus didn't heal everybody. You realize that, right? Jesus didn't heal everybody. And even those that he did heal, guess what? They eventually died. And so just understanding that is really important for us to, ha to understand because although God may not heal us or a situation or a person here on earth, if we've said yes to Jesus and we're in a relationship with him at our death and the next step into heaven becomes our total healing. You see, a couple of years ago when Ashley's dad, he got cancer at about 52 and in about nine months, he ended up passing away. We spent months and weeks and weeks and weeks praying that God would heal him. And guess what? He didn't. 
But at, the, at that time when he breathed his last and, and God continued just to show up and do other things, probably more, there were so many people who came to Christ as a result of his life because God had another plan. And we have to understand that and know that. So the one thought that I want to give you this morning also is that God moves when his people align their hearts with his. You see, because what I want us to do is I want us to intercede for each other this morning. I want us to believe together that God can move mountains. I want us to believe together that God can do the impossible. And I believe that God is preparing us. He said, my church will be called a church of prayer. If you came here for any other reason than for to learn about a relationship with Jesus or prayer, or you just think it's the cool place to come, then I want you to know that what you've walked into and what we believe is that hopefully you will allow God and his spirit to get a hold of you and change you, not to just come and sit and go through the motions. Because you're here for a reason and a purpose. And I believe that God loves his people when they join their faith together. And it could be very, it very well may be that today, this week, this series, could very well be the beginning of a revival in our church and in our city. Amen. Every great revival began with prayer. You're like, well, that's too inconvenient. Well, sorry. Sometimes revival is inconvenient. And I want to challenge you to come to one of our prayer times. If you can't come to all of them, come to at least one over the course of the next seven days. Surely you have some time in the next seven days to carve out to come to a prayer time at 6.30 in the evening. You can come stay for 10 minutes. So let's look at the story of Hezekiah. Hezekiah has three different passages I said earlier, 2 Kings, Isaiah 38, and 2 Chronicles. The first one we're going to start with is 2 Kings chapter 18, verses 5 through 7. It says this, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord, and he did not stop following him. He kept the commands the Lord had given Moses and the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. What we know to be true about King Hezekiah was this, is that he was a man who followed after God. He was a king who followed after God. The king before him was not. The king before him was actually one of the most evil kings recorded. But it says that Hezekiah actually followed after the things of God, that when he became king at age of 25, he went down and he, he, he went in at the age of 25, he tore down all the worship, all the things that they were worshiping other than God. And he tore them down. Now look at Isaiah chapter 38. This is obviously just a small portion of Ezekiel's life. And as I was preparing for this series over the course of the last couple of weeks, the Lord just kept bringing me back to Hezekiah's illness in 38 and then his prayer. Verse 30, chapter 38, verse 1 says, in those days Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet, the prophet Isaiah, son of Amaz, went to him and said, this is what the Lord says, put your house in order because you are going to die, you will not recover. Can you imagine having somebody come to you and say, um, hey, John, um, the Lord told me, sent me to you and said, uh, you're, 
Your time's about done, Bob. You need to go ahead and get things in order because you're not going to live much longer. And he was, this guy was, King Hezekiah was still young. He was still young. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and he prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah. He said, okay, now go and tell Hezekiah, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says, I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will add 15 years to your life and I will deliver you from the city, from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city. This is the Lord's sign to you that the Lord will do what he has promised. I will make the shadow cast by the sun go back 10 steps. You realize that he made the sun go backwards 10 steps. So not only is he going to heal Hezekiah, but he made the sun move. You tell me if God's got the power to do the impossible. So the sunlight went back the 10 steps. It had gone. A writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, after his illness and recovery, he said, I said in the prime of my life, must I go through the gates of death and be robbed of the rest of my years? I said, I will not again see the Lord himself in the land of the living. No longer will I look on my fellow man or be with those who, who now dwell in the world. Like a shepherd's tent, my house has been pulled down and taken from me. Like a weaver, I have rolled up my life, and he has cut me off from the loom. Day and night, you made, made an end of me. I waited patiently till dawn, but like a lion, he broke all my bones. Day and night, you made an end of me. I cried like a swift or thrush. I moaned like a mourning dove. My eyes grew weak as I looked to the heavens. I am being threatened. Lord, come to me. Come to my aid. I love the, just the authenticity and the rawness of what Hezekiah was saying though this moment. But then he said, but... But what I, what can I say? He has spoken to me. He himself has done this. I will walk humbly all my years because of the anguish of my soul. Lord, but by such things people live and my spirit finds life in them too. You restored me to health and you let me live. Surely it is for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. In your love, you kept me from the pit of destruction. You have put all my sins behind your back. For the grave cannot praise you. Death cannot sing your praise. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your faithfulness. The living, the living, they praise you as I am doing today. Parents, tell your children about your faithfulness. The Lord will save me and we will sing with strings and instruments all the days of our lives in the temple of the Lord. And Isaiah had said, prepare a poultice of figs and apply it to the boil and he will recover. Here's what I love is that it wasn't like God just said, okay, uh, Isaiah, um, boom, you're healed. He actually used form of medical treatment to heal to heal King Hezekiah so what can we learn from this the first thing is this is that Hezekiah acknowledges his sin 
Hezekiah's first response was repentance. And so what we know to be true about that is this, is that there is always an opportunity for repentance. As long as you're alive, as long as you have another breath, there is an opportunity for repentance. Second Chronicles 32 kind of helps us understand that. It says, then Hezekiah repented of the pride of his heart and, did, and so did the people of Jerusalem. Therefore, the Lord's wrath did not come on them during the days of Hezekiah. What I love is remember in Second Kings what it said about Hezekiah? It says he was a man who followed after God and it seemed like he was the perfect guy, like he did all the right things. But all of a sudden when Hezekiah, when Hezekiah is now confronted with death, he confesses of the pride in his heart. And what I love about that is that God gave him an opportunity for repentance. You see, I believe there's always an opportunity for repentance and that God can work in ways. What's really interesting is by all indications, if Hezekiah had not, listen, by all indications, if Hezekiah had not made his passionate prayer, like, right, he went before the Lord, he was broken, he was bitter, he asked the Lord for healing, then his life would have been cut short. You realize that? Had he not asked the Lord for more life, his life most likely would have been cut short. And so that teaches us that prayer matters. That God loves to hear the prayers of his people. That bold prayers honor God. The second thing that we see is this. Hezekiah recognizes that his suffering had a purpose. <laughs> you realize that there's, most of the time there's suffering before healing. And in this, what Hezekiah recognized through his suffering was that God had a purpose and I believe that what God did was that God used Hezekiah's suffering to get his attention. Because let's be honest, when things seem to be not going right or we're in a really bad spot, God most of the time uses those spots to get our attention. I had a guy, I often have people come and ask me to pray for like a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter or somebody who's not living for the Lord. And one of the things that I do is like, are you okay? I ask the question, are you okay if I pray that their life gets really miserable? Because most of the time what I do is most of the time people don't come to that place of recognizing what God is doing, trying to get their attention until they are in a most miserable spot. There's a guy a few years ago, he, he was really struggling and he, his coping mechanism was alcohol. And so every night he would go and he would drink alcohol at the end of his day because that was his coping mechanism for the day. And one night he had drank so much that he ended up falling asleep. And in the middle of the night, the Lord woke him up and said, no more. You tell me that God can't get your attention in the middle of a drunken stupor. You tell me that God can't get your attention when you are at a miserable place. And if you don't believe that, then <laughs> test God and see. No, don't test God and see. Just make, <laughs> just do the right thing. The second thing is this, is that what I love about this, and this is a great simple reminder, God hears our prayers. God hears your prayers. Because how often do you pray and you feel like that prayer didn't go anywhere? 
It didn't even reach the ceiling. Most of the time we're, we struggle with what even words to say. And what I love is that God doesn't care. He just wants to have a conversation with his children. You see, in, in, in Isaiah chapter, uh, verses four through six, in that same passage, God heard his prayer. And not, did, not only did God heal Hezekiah, but he said, I'll also defend you before the king of Assyria and before the city. So God actually delivered him from his enemies. The last thing is this, verse 17 says this, it says, God forgives, he heals, and he sets us free. You see, the, good, the, the enemy is really good at reminding us of the wrong that we have done. But, but 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Remember, because in Hezekiah's prayer, he, he, although he lamented in the first few verses on the second part, he said, you've taken my sin and you've put it behind your back. Psalm 103, verses 10 through 12 says this, he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love and for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed his transgressions from us. As the father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. The Lord wants to set us free. He wants to heal us. He wants to forgive us. That is his nature. And it goes on to say, this portion of his prayer concludes by saying that Hezekiah used the rest of his life to serve and praise the Lord. Are you using your life to serve and praise the Lord? You see, what I believe is that God wants to heal. What if God wants to heal you physically this morning? What if God wants to heal you from a past experience? What if God wants to heal you from a broken relationship? What if God wants to heal you from your past choices of sin? Michael, you guys can come on out. Uh, there was something I wrestled with. I, I ran across it a couple of weeks ago and I went ahead and put it in my notes for this morning. And, and I wrestled with it through the night as to whether I really felt like, uh, really asking the Lord, Lord, do you want me to say this? And this morning I felt like the Lord kind of confirmed that in me. You see, because what I believe is that God wants to do the impossible here this morning. I believe that we prayed over some people first service and I believe that God's doing the impossible. I believe that there were some people who walked out of here and for whatever reason, they are hopefully in a different place than they were when they walked in. And that's my prayer for you this morning. But I wanna challenge you with this. The battles we refuse to fight, the battles we refuse to fight means that our kids will have to fight those battles. The inability, our inability to confront lust means that our sons will have to fight that battle. Our inability to confront insecurity means that our daughters will have to fight that battle. 
our inability to break the cycle of divorce or addiction off of our family means that our kids will have to fight those battles. Do you realize that in most family circles, what happens keeps going on from generation to generation to generation to generation until finally somebody decides to break the cycle? And it doesn't have to be that way. You can be the cycle breaker this morning. If you look at your family, you say, man, there's some things, and we're all broken and messed up. Listen, we all have broken families, period. Not one of you came from a perfect family. I used to think that, and then God opened my eyes. But what happens is you don't, have to, you don't have to live in that cycle of whatever it is that your parents may have created or your grandparents may have created or maybe something that happened to you as a small child and for whatever reason, it's just continued to, to snowball and snowball and get bigger and bigger and bigger and all of a sudden you realize that if you continue to let it go, it's just going to explode. Be a cycle breaker. I mean, it's time for us to, to rise up and fight the bat, those battles so that our kids don't have to do the same thing. Because what we know to be true is that God heals, and when He heals, there's freedom. How many more, how many more generations is the enemy going to take out in our families before we say enough is enough? And what I know to be true about who God is, is that this morning, He wants to heal us and set us free. What is it that God wants to do? Will you close your eyes with me for just a moment? Is it physical healing that you need this morning? Is it emotional healing? You see, I'm just gonna be really honest. A lot of times, women are good at dealing with this type of stuff. And men are too macho to deal with it. They don't wanna believe that there's some crap in their life that they really need to deal with. And most of the time, we just let it go and go and go. And my question to you this morning is, hey father, hey husband, hey man, be man enough to break the cycle this morning. Break it for your family. If you're here this morning and you are a man who was hurt by some other man, a father, a grandfather in the past, and because of that, you've carried it into the present. This morning, you don't have to carry it anymore. You can let it go. If you're, if you're a woman this morning and for whatever reason, there's been something that's hurt you in the past, another person has hurt you in the past, you don't have to continue being that hurt person. There's victory and there's freedom in Christ. If you're, if you're a child or a teenager here this morning and you're still continuing to deal with something and your parents won't deal with it, then you deal with it. And you trust the Lord for healing from it. But I believe we're supposed to pray for each other this morning. Maybe it's physical healing. Maybe it's relational healing. Maybe it's emotional healing. Maybe it's it's probably in some form or fashion is tied to spiritual healing. And so we're going to sing a song, Ruins. Our prayer team, hey, prayer team, come on back up. 
Our prayer team's going to be up here. And if you'd like to be prayed over, there's no shame. Listen, there's no shame. There's no fear in being prayed over here this morning because freedom is on the other side of this prayer. God's healing is the, this is the beginning of healing for you. It can happen in an instant, just like it happened for Hezekiah. It can happen in an instant, but it can also be the beginning of healing for you here this morning. So if you want to come down forward and you want to get prayed for as we're singing, we want to encourage you to do that this morning. But don't leave this place without being prayed for if, you're, if God's really trying to get your attention this morning. The second thing I want to encourage you to do that before you leave today, will you grab a card? Let's not leave one of these cards on the board this morning. And let's take, don't, put, don't grab the one you put up there. You go get another one and you take it home and you just pray for that situation throughout the week. Bring it back tonight to our prayer time. Bring it back tomorrow night or, and we're going to be praying throughout the week. Will you stand with me? God, I pray that in this moment, God, you would release us from the spirit of fear that may keep us from being set free. I pray against the enemy schemes who his desire is to kill, steal, and destroy. And I pray that right now there would be nothing that would hold us back from finding freedom in Christ. Not worried about what the people think is sitting around me. Not worried about what my husband is thinking. Not worried about what my wife may be thinking. Not worried about the person in front of me or the people behind me. Not worried about having to crawl over like 13 people to get to But God, would you just work in a way that only you can? God, work in us. Show us more of yourself, Jesus. In Jesus' name.